Welcome to the C Word, the Conservatives podcast. Today is our Halloween special. I'm Jenna Mathiason, an objects conservator based in Carmarthenshire. And I'm Chloe Rumsey, an objects conservator based in Greater Manchester. Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome. We're not serious at all. We're giggling away like there's no tomorrow. We figured we'd do a spooky Halloween special for once, and I hope you'll enjoy it. And today we've got a special guest host with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, hey, I'm back again. Uh, My name's Ali Singh. I am a junior conservation technician at Ingenium, Canada Science and Technology Museum Corporation. And specifically for this episode, I quite literally moonlight as a tour guide for the Haunted Walk of Ottawa. I mean, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us again, Ali. Halloween is one of my favorite times of year. Uh, I think that's because I've always been a creepy child. Not going to (laughs) lie. It's everything that we like about this time of year, though, isn't it? It's the sort of orange leaves swirling around and the pumpkins and the you oh, know. And candles and ghost stories. and oh. The chill in the air, the fact that it gets darker earlier. Mm-hmm. So I thought we would start with maybe talking about what's the weirdest or creepiest object that you have worked on, do you think? Do you want to go first? I mean, I've worked on a lot of anatomical models, which is pretty weird. Mm, that's, that's creepy. Those can be pretty gruesome. Worked on fluid specimens as well to some degree, which people do tend to find really, really creepy. I don't really mind. I kind of like things in jars. Things in jars entertain me. I kind of like it. I like things in jars as well. I think people get very upset with some things yeah, in absolutely. jars. So, which is totally understandable. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, oh, pickled things. Okay, I'm going to start by saying I'm one of those people. You know how some people are super sensitive to the creepy. I'm, one of, I'm the opposite of that and I've never had a creepy experience or you know um the world doesn't hit me like that but i do think of the world as a horror film so <laughs> in a situation i will think this would be so cool in a horror oh, film <laughs> i know so obviously there's been the i'm alone in a dark store oh yeah why are the lights off situations and in fact in one of my, the in fact the, the place we worked for your reference Jenny worked in together I was in on my own in there and the lights automatically turned oh, off yeah. downstairs and then perfect timing the list I was working from blew off the table <laughs> and down the stairwell Ooh. into the darkened lower area of the store uh, which would have been a perfect spooky film happening but it was literally just the fan behind me and I went downstairs <laughs> and it was totally fine uh. <laughs> but The creepiest thing that's ever happened to me actually was working with a mummy. So it's a bit of a cliche, but we were installing it in an exhibition, you know, being very respectful and everything like this. And whilst we were doing it, the couriers were saying, oh, there's supposed to be a curse attached to this. Oh, thanks for that. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) That every time it's put on display, somebody will injure themselves. Ha, ha, ha. And everything was fine. Everything was fine until we closed the case. And the moment we closed the case... The exhibition coordinator cut her finger in a freak oh. accident kind of way. And everyone went. <gasps> and so that was that's the whole story. The curse is real. <laughs> the I curse like is it. real. You cut yourself on a tape measure. God, out of everything did you cut themselves on a tape measure? Yeah, that's so random. I know. That's mm, so random. Yeah. Whoa. I guess as an emerging conservator, I haven't had a chance to work on quite as many objects as if I was like five, ten mm. years into my career. So I can't say that I've worked on anything extra creepy. I did work on a Georgian dollhouse uh, when I was doing my grad school placement and that was very interesting. 
And so when we dressed it afterwards in preparation for um, display, we pulled out all these little miniature Georgian dolls that were in the collection. And it was just like eerie because of the porcelain faces staring back at you <laughs> unmoving. But they're like the size of your thumb, really, the heads. So wow, that was that was yeah. interesting. Oh, dolls creep a lot of people out. Mm. Dolls do creep mm. a lot of people out. But I've definitely had the opportunity to be around and handle spookier things and i have definitely had a lot of a lot of experience in spooky places so i suppose i'm i'm almost on the opposite end of the spectrum as chloe on the, this particular occasion on just because like i've grown up in haunted houses oh I've, I've definitely had encounters oh my god i didn't know that about you yeah oh my god i thought you were a scientist i want my i want you to shake my 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 uh, skepticism like Mulder <laughs> versus scully <laughs> Uh, I did ask people what kind of creepy collections they've worked on. And I thought it was really fun to kind of get a sense for what people mm-hmm. may find creepy or unsettling to to work with, you know, as conservators and collections people. And uh, it, sure enough, spirit specimens came up, human remains came up, natural history to some degree. Like a bad taxidermy job? <laughs> really terrifying also. <laughs> Apparently, like, a lot of people find it really unsettling to have, like, an animal frozen in time. Like, a lot of people find that really unsettling. And that's definitely a reaction we used to have in one of my workplaces where natural history tended to be Marmite to people. So it was either they really <laughs> loved it and wanted to see more or they were horrendously frightened of it. There was no <laughs> in-between ground. And that actually reminds me that I recently saw a message on, I think, Nat's gas mailing list where someone was bringing up that they found it problematic that in Halloween times, a lot of people on social media were treating natural history as being really creepy and really haunting and like that sort of thing and they they thought that i was kind of clashing with the kind of idea that it's supposed to bring the kind of beauty of nature uh, and being like important scientific specimens like that that was a clash there of like finding something creepy and it's it's supposed to be beautiful i think both can coexist like you can find something beautiful and creepy i think is that because of the 1800s vibe though if there was a haunted time. <laughs> that's a that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. That people, suppose, everything yeah. associated with it. I like it. But yeah, I just thought it was an interesting kind of thing to think about. Medical collections came up, unsurprisingly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Dentistry collections. Oh I've been God. in a dentist yeah. store before. Not all right. Some people obviously said dolls because dolls do come up a mm-hmm. lot that people find them. Oh my God, they're creepy. Super, super unsettling. I think it depends on the doll for me, but largely they're a bit unsettling and sometimes they're downright creepy, which is <laughs> kind of great. I did have the spitting image puppet of Harold Wilson. Um, <laughs> oh, in my studio for about three months and we had to keep we had to have it obviously cover him from light damage and stuff but Mm. that wasn't the actual impetus (laughs) it was that we kept assuming that we were in the studio with somebody else and then turn around and it was the puppet (laughs) (laughs) or you walk past like oh god who's there oh i had something like that happen last week the week before last so um right now uh, Ingenium is going through this major collections move and we're moving everything from the old, um, not the old warehouses, but like the warehouses on the campus into one purpose-built facility. And part of that move, part of what I was hired to do was mitigate a lot of hazards. So mm. the other week, uh, myself and one of my coworkers walked out of the lab and there's this cart right in front of the lab door with two huge suits 
full firefighting suits made out of Ooh. asbestos. And honestly, Yay. it looked like something <laughs> out of the Silence of the Library episode, or Silence in the Library episode of Doctor Who, because the both oh, yeah. of us, we walked out, we just jumped <gasps> like a foot in the air because they're just lying there encased in this, like sealed into this box that's clear on the top with mylar so you can see in. And it just looks like there's this body almost lying on the cart in front of you. And oh God, <laughs> wow. I fully admit to like screaming a little when I saw them because there was two of them. There was two of them on the cart. And I was like, ah, God. But they're fascinating pieces of history. But like, oh my God, yeah. it's like a six foot long, six foot tall suit. Yeah, that would freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> Humanoid forms and faces that are not quite that's the thing isn't oh, it oh yeah yeah that's, that's pretty scary that's a big trigger for a lot of people uh, i know that i, I work with several uh, colleagues who are really frightened of mannequins of yes. course yes museums and museum stores do tend to have a couple of mannequins because <laughs> you know how you display costume and uh, some of them can be more unsettling than others and at one point more than one point actually they've definitely been left in uh, strategic locations just to freak people <laughs> out a little bit uh, which is great <laughs> Someone said they had some students working on a scroll depicting torture scenes. Oh my. That was very unsettling. Someone else said, uh, a box full of random doll heads slowly turning into a sticky, gooey mess is a nightmare (laughs) on so many different levels. (laughs) No. Okay, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Oh, no thanks. Someone else brought up a spitting image puppet, (laughs) (laughs) which I really enjoyed. Uh, Someone else said, diving suits mounted on mannequins are unbelievably Mm -hmm. creepy, which I'm Mm -hmm. very willing to believe. Space Uh, suits as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then one that I don't have any personal weird vibes about, but prams are upsetting for some reason. I was like, ooh, an empty pram. Interesting. You know what? I I see that. Oh, I totally yeah. see that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Distinction to be made between spooky and horrifying objects. Like a room full of, of yeah. fluid specimens is spooky just because, you know, it creeps you out a little bit viscerally. But you have those horrifying objects, like mm, these portraits yeah. of people who are famous for the terrible deeds that they did. and. Yeah that like just it gets under your skin and it just sits there it's a really good point other things on the list were an iron lung which was very specific mm-hmm. uh, a hairbrush with dandruff and dead nits oh don't forget <laughs> victorian hair jewelry oh definitely oh, yes. mm-hmm. there's so much of that thing oh, i've just remembered another set of objects that freak me out <laughs> the whole victorian morning thing the, the oh what are they called Someone's going to correct me. It's not called death photography, but I'm going to call it death photography. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The fad of the Victorians to take family photos with with the dead, yeah, dead yeah. Mm. people. Yeah. No. Have you ever seen the like the chairs and the instruments that were used to hold people in place, even alive or or who had passed away for these photographs? Mm. Mm. No thanks. Someone else said a padded door from a local asylum. Ooh, that's such that a good sounds one. Cool. Someone said a box of dried out eyeballs. No, thank you. And then items related to folklore, as in things that are thought to be cursed or similar. In fact, someone said that they've got various kind of cursed items and they're keeping them in the store next to the good luck tokens. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to cancel each other out. And I really oh enjoyed God. that. I love, I absolutely love that. In- that's, that's good collections <laughs> management. <laughs> That kind of attitude to um, the sort of world energies is just, well, you just put it good next to the bad, right? Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) neutral now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's great. (laughs) And then we started thinking about things like working in haunted places, and that's where it becomes story time. I never really thought about it before until we were in... uh, It sounds like we spent our whole career working together. Another place that we were working at together, we were talking about ghostly things. 
And one person we were working with was talking about the things that she has heard that have happened in historic houses for the people that care for the houses. And that was, I'd never considered that before. I'd heard of, you know, oh, this room's meant to be haunted, but I'd never thought of the person that is literally responsible for checking the rooms at night on their own. <laughs> like a lot of people, you know, are custodians for for locations, for example. So they might in fact live on, on or very near the property. And of course, members of front of house and, and similar in all sorts of organizations that care for historic properties, uh, you know. They are often the people who see the thing. So let's gather around this campfire here that ooh, we've got burning. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No marshmallows here, though, just creepiness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, some hot dogs would be great. Ooh, s'mores. S'mores, s'mores, <sighs> s'mores. That's such a North American thing. Is it really? We're getting cozy now, not creepy. Okay. <laughs> Come on, guys. Back it <laughs> Stay up, on back brand. <laughs> Stay on theme. Fine. So we're trapped in the woods <laughs> with no food. <laughs> Yeah, so we did ask people for some stories about potentially working in haunted places because mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by this concept. You know, I, I do love a good ghost story and I always have. Yeah, we, we did have some people contribute stories, mostly on Twitter. Thank you so much to everyone. So a National Trust house ghost story. I used to work at Shaw's Corner, home to the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw. He died in the house in 1950. This is a great start. Mm-hmm. I had to sleep in on occasions for security cover. My boss told me before my first sleepover that it was likely that security alarms would go off for no reason the first night I stayed on my own there. Fire and security alarms do go off for all sorts of reasons in old houses, so I didn't take much notice. First night I stayed, a friend was with me and nothing happened. The second, when I was alone, the security alarm did indeed go off for no reason. No bad weather or anything. That was the first incident. I often worked alone in the house, small staff at a time during the winter clean. I heard a few times piano keys being played. Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) George Bernard Shaw was a keen pianist. Again, I was alone in the house. I think other people had had this happen to them as well. Third incident, again sleeping over. I had popped out of the house in the evening and on my return, another unexplainable thing happened. You enter the house through the front door, which is locked, through another door, a fire door, so always closed, and had never been locked in my time there, which you have to get through to get to security panel to deactivate the alarm. I went to go through the second door, and it was locked. (gasps) Wouldn't open. It worked perfectly fine when I left. Nothing wrong with the catch or the lock. I didn't even know which key to unlock it with, as it had never been locked before. Luckily, a key on my bunch did unlock it, and I got to the alarm before the police arrived. God, well, oh, that's, that's tense. That nightmare on its own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, makes me yeah. feel. <laughs> I checked with all the other key holders to make sure no one had been in, and they hadn't. The door wasn't damaged in any way, just locked. George Bernard Shaw has a mischievous sense of humour, so I did think he was having a laugh with me. I do believe in ghosts and spirits, and to this day, I have no other possible explanations for the incidents. Ooh, I like it. Come on, George. It's dangerous. (laughs) You know what they should have done? They should have knocked on the door. Ooh. Oh, really? As a tour guide for the Haunted Walk of Ottawa, we actually have three cities, Toronto and Kingston as well. And mm-hmm. we have a Slack channel where we share real hauntings that are happening. And one of my Toronto co-workers shared a story a couple of days ago saying that she was trying to take a group through a building that typically has all the doors open and one of the doors was closed. And so later the evening when she had another tour, she took that group into that building, tried to get in, but the door wouldn't open. So she tried knocking and it swung open. Ooh. 
Oh, I love so it. So maybe if you come up against a locked door, that's what you need to do. It's so great that you're saying that because I've been reading a book that was actually recommended to me in the Twitter thread that started all of this. It's a book just called Ghosts and it's a National Trust book. And uh, in it, there, there are so many great stories about different National Trust properties. Each section is kind of a mix of like the history of the house, the, the relevant kind of ghostly facts, some encounters and some folklore. So it can be modern encounters or it can be ones that are kind of historic and written down and that sort of thing that have been found through archival research. So it's super interesting and, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't actually finished it yet, but there, there are several bits here that I'm going to read out in a little bit. But in one of them, for sure, there was a bit about how there, there would be a rattling door in, in a property. So just someone would w- wiggle the handle even though there was, there was no one on the other side of the door. And the way to make it stop is to just do a gentle knock on the door and then they go away. What? There you go. Yeah. You just have to acknowledge the presence in the building. Or... You just have to shift the door in a frame that has changed shape. <laughs> okay, who are you to bring logic <laughs> into this, Chloe? Like, please. That's not what this is about. It's Halloween. I'm absolutely loving the bus kill. So someone else wrote in and said that uh, they worked in a, they believe, 17th century building. Uh, that was originally a farmhouse, but became a tavern. The shortest version of the history is that in 1688, three of the plotters for the downfall of James II met there, and it became known as the Revolution House, uh, now part of Chesterfield Museum. As for the ghost stories, they say, we usually open for Christmas, but they're decked out mainly using traditional evergreens, flowers, and a small tree. I've gone in and and found the baubles, especially the modern plastic ones, bundled in under the tree. They seem to prefer natural ones, so the cones and orange slices are usually left alone. They said they've seen pine cones flying across the room and decorations move as if someone's running their hand over it. So nothing nasty, just little mischievous things. Uh, and I just absolutely love that, that someone's just messing with the Christmas decorations. <laughs> I, I just love it so much. Do you think it could be a child spirit who's like especially entranced by the Christmas decorations? Or do you think it's someone who was a bar humbug and who didn't like the holidays? Do wonder. I started off volunteering at what was then called the Galleries of Justice. Now, the Justice Museum in Nottingham, notorious for all kinds of supposed hauntings, various ghost hunts took place. When I moved up and joined the service here, I was based initially at Bollinghall Museum, very notoriously haunted, to the point there's a legend related to the English Civil War and the Bradford Ghost, which I love because Bradford is one of the least glamorous or spooky places as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I never felt uncomfortable at the Galleries of Justice, but Bolling feels like there's a bit of an atmosphere. Still not seen or heard anything. However, lots of people otherwise sensible <laughs> other, otherwise sensible people have reported their experiences. This just reminds me of like how many people have started like their sharing of ghost stories with mm-hmm. us by saying, by the way, I don't believe in this. Or by the way, <laughs> no, I would never normally. And it's just like, it's totally cool. I'm a complete believer. <laughs> Though then this person goes on to say, Um, The closest thing they got to was being in the office with another colleague and locking up in the winter, they heard a disembodied voice. Oh, I mean, that's pretty spooky to begin with. What did the voice say? I don't know. It's not said. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum, dum. I mean, some places just have that kind of natural vibe to them, don't they? Storage rooms full of mannequins. The agricultural warehouse early in the morning when you're the first one there and the lights are off. 
fluid specimen storerooms, you know. Yeah, all the best haunts. I'm kind of amazed that uh, there's not uh, more ghost stories set in museums, etc. Because we do work in some tremendously spooky settings sometimes, don't we? I bet if you looked hard enough, there's probably a whole niche subgenre of <sighs> like horror fiction books, like uh, the Penny Dreadfuls that are set in museums. I would not at all be surprised. Oh my god, if someone knows about if that, there isn't, let us know. Get writing, please. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah they're clearly bestsellers in the making, right? So then we had some people writing and saying things like uh, the museum where I work has allegedly had some sightings. There was even a survey conducted a few years ago by some local enthusiasts. Uh, I read the report alone in the office and felt a little spooked. Yeah, I would definitely feel spooked from that. Yep. Like, definitely. And someone else said, people say that one of the buildings at the museum where I work is haunted by the founder. Uh, mm. she, she does state that she's completely non-sensitive to ghosts, so she has no idea but and doesn't think she'll ever see him. But. So... In Ottawa, a lot of our heritage buildings are 19th century and later. And one of the most notorious buildings here in Ottawa is the old Carleton County Jail, which is today the Ottawa Jail Hostel. Uh, Yes, you can actually pay to sleep there at night. And this is considered one of the most haunted buildings in the city. And let me tell you why. In the early hours of April 7th, 1868, uh, Thomas Darcy McGee was brutally murdered on the front door step of his boarding house on Spark Street. People believed at the time and still do that the murder was politically motivated, that it was an assassination by Fenians, uh, an Irish rebel group that McGee had spoken out against quite loudly. And following the murder and the huge public outcry, 12 Irishmen were arrested, but only one was actually kept and tried and then found guilty of the murder, a man by the name of Patrick James Whalen. And he was found guilty on what today is considered to be incredibly circumstantial evidence. And his whole time in jail and then leading up to his execution, because he was found guilty and then sentenced to hang by the neck until he was dead, was spent at the Carleton County Jail. And so today we take people through the old jail, specifically up onto the eighth floor, which is basically the historic floor of the jail. It's been left largely untouched, and it is considered the most haunted floor in the building. And while up there, over the years, so many people, tour guides, visitors, guests of the hostel, have had so many strange encounters. For a while in the 70s and 80s, it got so hard to keep people up there at night that the hostel decided that if you made it through the night, you could stay for free. For several decades, they stopped this because so many people would go running screaming in the middle of the night waking guests that it became too unpopular of a place and it was just too disruptive well they've since reopened the floor to guests to stay on uh so now if you really did want to stay in a haunted place people stay on the eighth floor and they sleep in these single person cells so many strange things have happened on the eighth floor i've had several experiences myself one of the first experiences that i had up there started or it occurred Maybe five or six months after I started giving tours, I was a mm-hmm. hardcore skeptic when I began, became a tour guide. And since I have changed my leaning, let's just say, there was a time uh, I had a group of about 10 or 11 people up there on the eighth floor. And back in those days, we told the story of Patrick Whalen while standing in front of the single person cells. And just as I'm about to say his name, I feel two hands grab the side of my jacket and pull basically straight up. I felt as if I was lifted right off my feet. Now I was standing in front of an open cell. So immediately I began freaking out, but I knew I needed to finish the story before we could move on into the next space. So we carry lanterns as guides and I bent down, I picked it up and I crossed the hall so that my back was against the windows and I put my lantern down and 
tried to compose myself and speak again when I noticed that the cloak that every haunted walk tour guide wears was lying on the ground behind where I had been standing. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I began apologizing to my group that my cloak fell off. That's what had moved my coat. I just imagined that I had been lifted. So I pick up my cloak. My hands are shaking. I'm trying to put the tie back together. And this gentleman on my tour, he looks at me a little funny. And then he looks over at his friend, and his friend starts nodding back at him quite vigorously. And this gentleman looks back at me, and he says, Ali, I don't, I don't think it was your cloak. Mm-hmm. I'm still shaking. The adrenaline is still rushing. And I said, well, what could it have been? My cloak fell off. You know, I felt my jacket move. That's, that's the way things go. And he said, no, your cloak fell off before you began speaking. Whatever you felt, well, you'd already been talking for a while at that point. Oh, I like it. I was about to say the name of Patrick Whalen. Was it Patrick Whalen? Who knows? Was it another ghost of the hostel? Who knows? And every year at Halloween, I get left up there by myself and I just, oh man, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> this past Halloween, uh, we do this thing where we have like a jail guard, essentially. One guide is up there at night making sure that groups are moving through the space as they're supposed to, that no guests are coming up because we actually have exclusive access to that floor for several hours in the evening. And I was the jail guard for several weekends during October last year. And this one evening, I was up there alone. There was about 30 minutes between the tour that had just passed and the next one. And I heard the water start running in the bathroom. So I thought, well, this is a little strange. Maybe someone snuck past me. And so I walked all the way down the hall to the bathroom. But the toilet stalls were empty. The sink was off. The light was off. The toilet, like, there was nothing coming from the bathroom. So I thought, okay, maybe someone snuck into the shower room. And I walked all the way around to the other side of the cell block. And again, the lights were off. There was no water running. I even touched the walls in the shower stalls. They were all dry. But I swear to you, standing there in the shower room, it sounded as if water was running right next to me. Even at the end of the night, I snuck up to the ninth floor and I turned the water on in the bathroom there and then went back down to the eighth floor to see if maybe it was just a weird echo. But the doors leading from the stairwell into each floor, into each cell block, are about six inches thick wood. And you can't hear anything from the other side of the door. And I couldn't hear the water running on the ninth floor. I have no sceptical explanation for that at all. <laughs> it, you know what? I don't like being in that building by myself, but it is an absolutely fascinating building. And the stories attached to it... Whew, man, your hair curls. We started um, doing paranormal nights at, at one of the places that I used to work. And uh, it was kind of a long time coming. People weren't sure if it was like tasteful or if it was going to be popular and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. we started doing them and actually they were, they were an absolute hit. I always volunteered to work them if I could. They would run from kind of mid-evening to very early morning and, and then and then we'd lock up and go home. One of the things that happened was that it's actually relatively uneventful. I've I've gone on one of the tours and it was very, very fun and intriguing. And I've also uh, just been the person who sits on the front desk or in reception so people can come and ask questions if they need to, if they need to break away from the tour and they just need the loo or something. Um, <laughs> and, and just kind of watching the CCTV. Basically, the, the loo is just a short walk walk away from there and no one gets past without me me seeing them. The hand dryers and the loo started going off for no reason <laughs> regularly. And oh. I was just like, thanks for that. <laughs> what a perfect time for that to happen. I'm not freaked out at all. So the feeling of being grabbed, Ali, have you had anything like that before or since? I'm just trying to think. The jail is definitely 
an incredibly spooky place, and it's very common for visitors, especially female visitors, to feel as if their hair is being pulled on, their clothes are being pulled on, their ankles are being mm. grabbed. It's a largely uncomfortable place that way. I've had moments where I could have sworn I felt something touching my ear, and this was in the pre-mask era, so there wouldn't have been anything touching my ear, save for my hair, but I could have sworn I felt something like tickling right behind my ear. Hmm, what else? Oh, in Death Row. This one always gets me. Death Row is up on the eighth floor. There's four cells, and what would have happened is you would have moved from cell one to two, two to three, and three to four as you were getting closer to your execution date and as the people ahead of you were either paroled or executed. And the fourth cell is segregated by these two heavy iron walls with these two heavy wooden doors. So the prisoner in cell four was the next to be executed, and they would have had their own personal guard who would have sat staring at them. Every time I move through the jail, I always try to move through cell four quickly because you need to walk right through it if you want to get to death row. And every time I'm in there, I always feel as if there's something sitting on my chest. In death row as well, I always have a hard time speaking and I have a hard time catching my breath. So while I haven't had too many cases of being grabbed, I've definitely had physical experiences in, in different ways in that building and in other buildings in uh, downtown Ottawa as well. Blimey. Have other colleagues had experiences like this that they've told you about? Oh my God, have they? We literally <laughs> have a Slack channel dedicated to real hauntings. So yeah, you know. I've slept somewhere once where it wasn't a uh, museum setting or uh, that sort of thing, but it was a historic property where, mm. you know, yeah, you, you, could, you could stay the night and uh, someone sat on my leg. Really? What? What? Did they sit and stay or was it just like a little pressure and then No, no, no. Like they they sat down and because the people had had both dogs and cats and they did say sometimes they're friendly and get on your bed. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't mind because I love animals. Like I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I've had that happen all my life. That's fine. So (laughs) so naturally my first reaction when something like sat on my leg was, uh, oh, oh, hello, Mr. Fussy Pots or whatever it was. Uh, It's like, (laughs) oh, where are you? That's very distinctly not a cat or a dog, though. Did you reach out thinking that it was an animal? Yeah, and there there was nothing there at all, but the pressure was still on my leg, at which point I very promptly just left the room. (laughs) (laughs) So I appreciate this contributor because she starts with, I am healthily sceptical about ghosts, but I will admit to once, whilst deep cleaning a property, with a few colleagues, I was cleaning the supposedly haunted room alone, and she suddenly felt cold, freaked out, and went running into the room with two of her colleagues. I mean, I would be very freaked out by that, so... Well, quite, exactly. Yeah, sometimes it grips you, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's pretty common for, for ghost occurrences. Sometimes you just need to remove yourself from a situation you're freaking out about, you know? So yeah, I, I totally get it. But it does say that this person was not the only person who freaked out in the building. Mm, yeah, common occurrence. What have you seen and experienced in your house? You know when you see something in the corner of your eye and you're not quite sure if it's there or not, but it happens mm-hmm. too often for you not to think that it's there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, whilst whilst mm-hmm. we had pets, mm-hmm. you know, it was really easy to think, oh, it's just a cat wandering by. Except then you wander into the next room and that's that's where the cat is sleeping. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so that's that's not what that was. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Sometimes the cat would actually play with something that, you know, it, it was the only cat available, but it would definitely be chasing something or being chased by just having a bit of a play, that sort of thing. People using doors that have been bricked up, for example someone's trying to open a window that's no longer openable 
and and this is the sort of thing that's that's like made my dad believe in it because he's just like it's impossible there's no one there why is it making that noise again it's it's been a lot of the kind of corner of your eye kind of thing mm-hmm. like just like a shape or mm. someone wandering by and that sort of thing right i'm pretty sure one is a dog by the way oh <laughs> there have been all sorts of strange goings on in that house so I, i'm quite open to it happening in all sorts of places <sighs> Pretty much got the creeps. And though I'm still, I have to say it, I'm still a skeptic. Nothing has ever happened to me. And I know that if it did, I would be freaked the fuck out because I, yeah. the idea of it terrifies me. But I have literally no, literally no evidence. I'd say it doesn't happen to all people either. So it might just be a sensitivity thing, you know? So that's the thing. I've stayed in places where I've thought, surely this must be haunted if it's if there are hauntings this is it like a you know a totally gutted 17th century castle in italy that i stayed in for a dig once surely there must have been hauntings that no what other experiences do we have cue spooky science fire sound effect well someone else said that they'd uh, experienced things at the john ryland's library oh really where's that uh, it's in Manchester, and it, uh, apparently they got a cloister in, in the cellars as particular activity, Ooh. which I thought was really interesting. Mm, that's interesting, because that's where the conservation studio is. Mm. Oh, that's the perfect place for it, then. I have never been. Well, you must change that. <laughs> you don't want to be made to jump, do you, whilst you're working on something, right? No, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's, maybe they're respectful of their work. I would hope so. Thanks very much, ghosts. Just, you know, wait till I've put down the thing. Until the scalpel is out of my hands, and then it's, yeah, then it's all exactly. cool. <laughs> Someone said they had uh, they had a hard time rationally describing their experience at Burton Constable Hall uh, many years ago. They heard footsteps where it, I knew no one was walking. They say uh, felt certain that there being a person there, but they went to check and there was no one. So there's a lot of that sort of story where it's like, oh, I'm, I was convinced I, I wasn't alone, and then yeah, how much of that is? is your mind creating noise and how much Mm. of that is actual noise in in the world around you Mm. and someone said they've worked and lived in the tower of london oh Uh, my gosh yes Uh, but they they did disappointingly say that they've never seen or heard (laughs) anything but uh, they were definitely always careful when they were moving about the place which which i quite like (laughs) so another tweet from a contributor i worked at one museum that has had several haunted buildings A few visitors, brackets, at different times and different ages, were known to run out of one of the buildings claiming that there was a dead body in their arms. Man. Now, it might have been coincidence. Then there was that time that a child looked out of one pane of glass in another building and saw a man carrying a lantern in olden style dress. I love that. Olden style dress walking towards her. But she couldn't see him through any other pane of glass other than that one. Ooh. There were no reenactors in that day. Ooh. Pane of glass. That's interesting, isn't it? So there is a school in downtown Ottawa called Lisker Collegiate, and it is one of the oldest high schools in Ottawa, and it's still in use as a high school. Like, there's still kids going there today, and the attic is reportedly haunted. But over the years, this school that first opened in 1874, it's had multiple extensions put on, and one of the extensions, one of the additions that was put on included the roof being built out into, like, a square corner because um, ice kept falling and hitting people and it was very dangerous Mm. and there's one window that you can see into the attic from when you look at the face of the building 
And people on our tours have looked up at that window and have seen faces staring back at them. They've seen orbs of light moving across the window pane. Someone also says that our office had a little girl ghost who used to look over your shoulder. A visitor knocked on the door one day and asked, No, no, don't like that. Don't like that at all. <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> A visitor knocked on the door one day and asked if he could, could come and look around as he was born in the house. And his first question was, is she still here? So they used to play together when he was little. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, I like that. I'm like, I like that oh, story. No. <laughs> so how did they know that there was a ghost looking over the shoulder? That's a great question. I don't know. When you have a presence in the room with you, you know Like, you can feel it. You may not be able to, to quantify what it is, put a name to it, but there's this thing on the edge of your consciousness that's like, I'm not alone in this room. Someone says, not open now, unfortunately, but when we, but I'm sure we used to have occasional visitors keeping an eye on things at the Waterways Museum, uh, like moving rope, uh, rope displays about and making himself known uh, that he was there at night. <laughs> is that just ghosts of the workers thinking, oh, you've done it wrong? Well, you know what? I read uh, I read another story and I, it, that was definitely in this book that I'm, I'm going to read out a bit about where a uh, collections manager somewhere decided that, that it would be nice to hang someone's hat because it was the, the woman who'd, who'd lived in that particular area of the house, hang her hats like jauntily off some antlers that, that, were, that she'd put on the wall to kind of make it feel more like, like she'd just left. Mm. So they took it out of the, the designated like place where they lived which um i think was a chest of drawers or something like that and then they, they hung up the hats and they locked up the room and they went home and then the, straight away in the morning the hats were back in the box and it <gasps> happened three times before they realized that maybe she just doesn't like the hat the hat being on the antlers What? Um, oh my god And it, it was definitely her hat because there was also uh, the additional detail of there's a photo of her wearing the hat that was on the mantelpiece. And the third time when they decided to stop hanging the hats up, she'd also packed away the photo, which oh. was fantastic. Where it's just like, stop messing with my hats. Uh, she wow. was really, really enjoying. Um, wow. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I like that. So has anyone had any experiences of, uh, we've got a number of people saying that they've had ghost inspectors at their place of work have either of you had experiences with the ghost inspectors coming round? yes not one-on-one -on -one, but i've definitely been in spaces while some have been like setting up mm -hmm. um and then like almost immediately afterwards like one of the great thing about the haunted walk is that the buildings we work in they're pretty well known for being haunted so there's regularly ghost companies ghostbusters ghost seekers through them and If you were to just stick into Google, um, like Carleton County Jail or Bytown Museum, Ottawa, Ghost Hunters, you'd get I'm multiple hits. Um, <laughs> Googling now. Uh, a few years ago, there was um, some ghost hunters setting up in the jail one night when I was giving tours. And it was interesting because they had put like taped X's on the floor where they were going to put up all their cameras. They were just waiting for our tours to go through before they set them up. And I remember noticing there were a couple of X's on the ground in places that were facing some of the cells. And after the tour was over, I saw one of the ghost hunters and I was like, oh, I noticed you put you're putting a camera there and he was like yeah absolutely and i was like well you should put one in this cell as well because we hear stories in this cell and mm -hmm. he's like oh yeah absolutely and so i don't know if they ever found anything that night because i i didn't uh i didn't bother to check wow. because i was too afraid of what they would find but i <laughs> i'd be interested to know if they did end up putting a camera in the cell that i mentioned the people are super chill and in fact there was one 
possible haunting just caught on film at uh, Fort Henry in Kingston recently, and it's it's pretty spooky if you watch the video footage. So I think that's I think that's linked on on the Haunted Walk social media pages. I think I think if I remember correctly. What happens in the video? So there's this long hallway, and you can just see at the very end of the hallway what looks like a figure walk past a doorway. And I don't give tours in Kingston, so I don't know the stories quite as thoroughly. But there are several military figures in the past who are thought to still be in the fort. And there's some theories as to who that figure could be if it was uh, someone who worked at the fort walking past the doorway mm. there. That video, I watched it at like, you know, (laughs) 10.30 at night after giving a tour, lying in bed, being like, why am I doing this? I'm not going to sleep. And I didn't. I left my light on all night. It was spooky. So I'd really like to know what what it is that we would haunt. I I could see us haunting conservation labs in the future. Like I could have a museum storeroom. I think if I got to rattle around the the train bay in like in Genium's new new building for the rest of my immortal life, that would be awesome. Just jumping from all these historic trains to trains to train cars to some of the cars and some of the larger artifacts. I think that would be awesome. You know what? That does sound nice. Someone else said they helped with the deep clean at Strangers Hall and uh, there'd been a couple of occurrences like hearing a piano being played uh, whilst they mm. had their back turned to it. Was it with pianos? I know. Turned around to remind the volunteer helping me that we won't play with the objects, but there was no one there. Oh my God. I quite like that the immediate response was, no, don't touch. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> don't touch that. Oh, you weren't. Okay, that's good. I can see myself being the ghost that haunts my studio and no one knows I'm there apart from just next to your ear put some gloves on put some gloves on <laughs> and then that's it Royster Museum says uh, we're supposedly haunted by a woman named Elizabeth uh, we know she died here when the building was a Sunday school in 1900 reports of her death were in the local paper and some volunteers say that they've seen her True's Yard Museum says uh, we're supposed to be very haunted one paranormal team told us that we had 38 ghostly residents uh, there's a lot of spooky ha- happenings slamming doors sightings even, even one instant of a proper see your breath sudden temperature drop Ooh, oh oh interesting someone else said that they worked at Baddesley Clinton Hall which is apparently very haunted with at least three ghosts they've got a whole document on them and quite often people have messaged, messaged us with photos of the supposed apparitions I love it uh, someone else at Museum of London Docklands ghosts of dockers reported by visitors including staff including one that was visible only from the waist up as it was walking along where a waist high barrel would have been uh, these are some fantastic stories. I'm going to link to this entire Twitter thread because it's it's amazing. Uh, and there are probably bound to be ones that we haven't read out, but they are absolutely fantastic. Uh, I just thought I'd read um, a couple of quick ones from the National Trust book that I've been going on about. Cause I, yes, I saw, please. I saw two that were conservation related. <laughs> and I was just like, I love it. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, let's see. This one's for Belton House in Lincolnshire. A gentleman in black and with golden lights have been seen on a couple of occasions in recent years by members of staff. There are stories of a ghostly housekeeper who observes conservation cleaners as they go about their duties. In fact, when the National Trust first took on the house, one of the ladies who worked for the family claimed to particularly enjoy cleaning in the chapel drawing room uh, as she took pride in the sensation of being scrutinized for her conscientious work. I love it. Oh my (laughs) God. (laughs) People from the past appreciating your hard work. How nice is that? This one's my favourite. This one's from Blickling Hall in Norfolk. 
In 1970, two delivery men drove up to Blickling Hall to return a painting which had been sent out to specialists for conservation and cleaning. There were only two staff on duty in the house that day and they directed the men to the dining room while they struggled to relock the outer doors. The delivery men returned to the entrance and, on being asked if they needed a signature to acknowledge receipt of the painting, one replied, Oh, no, the lady signed for it. The lady in the dining room. No. The administer asked to see the paperwork, on which no signature could be seen. But both men were adamant that although she hadn't spoken to them, the lady, who was dressed old-fashioned, something white around the neck, had taken receipt of the painting and signed for it. What? On investigation, the dining room was found to be empty, as was the whole building, apart from the four mystified men. Against the wall was propped a newly returned painting, the famous Ditchley portrait of Elizabeth I, the only child of Anne. What? <laughs> she just wanted to be involved though if you were art handlers would you allow just any person that happened to be in a room just say can i sign for this just to rock up and do that but yes there are many excellent stories about ghostly ghostly happenings in the places that we work which i really enjoy i thought we'd just end on before we go to like the other fun bits in this episode i just thought we would uh have a quick think about what would be a fun conservation themed uh halloween costume because I oh my think god that would be quite entertaining <laughs> well do you want it to be like something that's scary i mean because you could be like the ecce homo <laughs> monkey jesus <laughs> you, oh, you could that's a great idea yeah fact, yeah 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 a poorly restored painting would actually have been quite genius go as a jar of like wheat starch paste that was left in the fridge way too long if you wanted to get really kind of technical any of the agents of decay right i'd wrap myself in sellotape i just hate it so much (laughs) you could be a sellotape mummy yes and i would wrap it so that the sticky side was on the outside so i'd just like bang into people and be like yeah sticky residues bitches (laughs) bitches <laughs> oh my god you you could pretend to be like a plastic figurine that's like partially melted yeah oh, I love it. that would be like a like a half melted barbie or something that's phenomenal oh my gosh oh you could just be a giant carpet beetle that's a good one yeah 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 <laughs> i feel like a moth is easier to do oh my god kind of, unless you're round like me you're not really the right shape for a, for a beetle i feel i bet i could make a pretty elegant moth costume i've definitely got some gold sparkly fabric I bet you could, in fact. Are there any other stories from Ali that you'd like to share? Because I feel like you're bursting with them. I'll end on a, a bit more of a funnier note, I suppose you could say. I once had a tour group accuse me of being attacked by a ghost when that was not quite the case. Okay. So a few years ago at Halloween, we were running tours through the Bytown Museum which is actually the oldest stone building in Ottawa. And one of the things that we highlight up there uh, in the museum collection is the death cast of Thomas Darcy McGee's hand, who is the politician that I said was so horribly murdered at the top of the episode. Um, And so we take people through that building to give them tours every once in a while. And so we're walking down the hill toward the museum when all of a sudden this woman in my group behind me screeches so loudly, oh my God, is that blood? Oh. And I turn around and I'm like, what? And there's like drips on the ground coming out from like behind me from under my cloak. I lift my hand up and I realized my hand is covered <gasps> in blood. And I was like, oh my gosh. And the woman on my tour who screeched like practically fainted. She went weak in the knees and her, her family member oh like grabbed God. her and held her up. I hadn't actually been attacked by a ghost. I had sliced my finger open <laughs> making dinner earlier that evening and the bandage had just come undone. <laughs> oh no. That's you should have totally played it for everything you had. Awesome. So then, 
I well, my first thought was, well, that's not good because I really probably should have gone to get stitches, but I didn't realize how deep it was until it kept bleeding oh. later on. But I, I, I was like, oh, okay, well, and people were like, oh my god, the ghost got you, and we hadn't even gone in the building yet. <laughs> I was just bleeding all over the hill. Do, by the way, uh, everyone check if there are any kind of local ghost tours happening around this mm-hmm. time of year, especially. There might be socially distanced ones that you can go on. Uh, similarly, there's a there's a thing, I'm going to link to it, uh, on Twitter called Cemetery, T- Cemetery Club, which is mm-hmm. does cemetery tours, for example, here in the UK, uh, which is more historic than, than ghoulish. There is so much history to be found in these like dark history tours that isn't shared in the official shiny right version of history that's put out by municipalities so mm. you know take yeah. take the time learn this stuff it's fascinating and terrifying but mostly fascinating yes also a great way of engaging with heritage just saying yeah so, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but yeah excellent thank you for joining us good evening and welcome to a halloween edition of the bench work bar As always, I'm Amanda Richards, and tonight we'll be making the workers come. What you'll need for this cocktail is gin, sweet vermouth, Campari, Chambord, grenadine, and club soda, a squeeze of lemon. All right, let's get started. So you're going to start with a shaker of ice, and we will put in two ounces of gin. Here we go. Half an ounce of sweet vermouth. that goes. Half an ounce of Campari. One ounce of Chambord. Half an ounce of Grenadine. And then we're going to top it off with the lid (laughs) and shake it with ice for about 10 seconds just to chill and dilute it. Now we will go ahead and strain it into our beaker. I am using a 200 milliliter beaker. And then we will add in a squeeze of lemon and then top it off with club soda. There we go. And then what we'll do is we'll decorate it with a sugared severed finger. So there you go. There's your workers comp. Have a happy Halloween. For this episode's frightfully thematic read, I'm reviewing Anatomica, the exquisite and unsettling art of human anatomy by Joanna Ebenstein. This is a 2020 production from Lawrence King Publishing. We've already touched on the spooky vibes of medical collections in this episode, and this book definitely straddles the unsettling and the beautiful. If Morticia Adams had a coffee table book, this would probably be it. This isn't a book to read so much as it is to drink in. There's plenty to read, don't get me wrong. Each illustration is actually carefully annotated, in a way that really provides a lot of context and depth for each selected piece. It's surprisingly in-depth and easy to dip in and out of. 
It's a book you can browse, like a good exhibition. You don't have to read it cover to cover, although you can, but rather you can wander around the book and read the labels that really take your interest. It's not necessarily a book for conservators as such, although I would say that it's probably for anyone who's an enthusiast of medical science, definitely anyone who likes slightly creepy collections because some of them are really, really unsettling, definitely for people who work with medical collections if you know any of those. And I would definitely consider recommending this book to people who are either medical students, uh, medical professionals, or in fact, just that morbid friend that I feel like we all have. It's definitely not a book for the faint of heart. It is obviously graphic because it's about anatomy. So, you know, it's going to have all those bits that you probably didn't even want to know that you had. But they are beautifully illustrated. We're talking about some really amazing art. It ranges from the haunting to the comedic, and I really like that it has that range. It's hard to do this book justice on the basis that it's a very visual book, and this is, of course, a spoken word medium. It surprised me how much I enjoyed it. It's mesmerizing, and uh, I can probably sit and flick through it for quite a few hours. It's a hefty book. The version I have is in hardback. It might only be available in hardback. I haven't actually checked. Sumptuous and scary all at once. And an absolute steal, in my opinion, at £25. We'll pop some links in the show notes, as usual, and uh, you can have a look for yourselves. It is a wonderful compendium of uh, human anatomy illustrations. It is divided into different sections of the body, so if you only fancy seeing feet and legs, you can. Um, (laughs) It's a layout choice that makes a lot of sense. Uh, in terms of just trying to split up the enormous amount of really beautiful illustrations uh, into something that's a bit more structured. The research that has gone into this is tremendous, and uh, I absolutely commend the author uh, for putting this together, because it's it's an absolute work of art in and of itself. So yeah, the book has 272 pages, and nearly every single one is drenched in pictures. It's beautiful. But as I said, not for the faint of heart. (laughs) I can't think of a better book to have looked at for this Halloween episode. Maybe an excellent Christmas gift for your really, really creepy friend. Come on, we all know we have one. And if you don't, maybe you're that person. (laughs) If you're enjoying the C word and would like to support our work, then please consider becoming one of our patrons. For as little as $1 per month, you can help us keep our episodes online and more of them coming. Patreon helps us meet our regular costs for the show, and also to plan ahead so we know roughly how much of a monthly budget we've got. That's super helpful when you're trying to do something special like buy a better microphone or save up to go to a special event. Your support also helps keep us free of advertisements. In return, our supporters get access to our archive of extended episodes, which you can only access on our Patreon page. Yeah, for that $1 a month, you get a little extra audio enjoyment. We've crunched the numbers, and it's about 10% extra content on a regular basis. That's not bad for less than a cup of coffee, eh? If supporting us sounds like something you'd like to do, then head over to patreon.com slash the C word and join our bunch of absolute champions. Thank you for listening. With the C-Word, and you've been listening to Ali Singh, Chloe Rumsey, and me, Jen Mathiason. 
join us next time for a slightly more serious episode about supporting the sector. In the meantime, you can check out our website at theseawood.show, tweet us at theseawoodpodcast, or simply email us on theseawoodpodcast at gmail.com. The intro and outro music is Spring by Didi Music, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Additional music and sound effects this time were from all sorts of sources. Please refer to the show notes. This has been a Wooden Dice production. The idea that there aren't any modern ghosts is probably false. It's just about what kind of relationship you have with them, I guess. So to us, <laughs> they're ghosts because we don't know who they are. <laughs> so maybe the lack of information is actually a part of this. Oh, Do you think people would go get it? This association is an agent of decay. <laughs> I've cracked it. <laughs> I've completely cracked it. <laughs> oh my god.